0: Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Beyond the Album Cover with yours truly, Jarrell Mason, better known as Jay Mace, where not only do I interview people within the entertainment and music industry and give them their flowers, I interview people that's out doing their thing, and these two gentlemen I have with me have been doing their thing for a long time. They met at Winthrop University in Rock Hill, South Carolina, and currently have a network called Good Old Boys, which you can catch them on YouTube, various streaming platforms. So, give a big round of applause to Beyond the album cover, my boys, my good friends, Mario Washington and Latroy Gardner Mario, Latroy, welcome to Beyond the album cover, fellas, and it's a long time coming.
1: Oh, thank you, Jarrell. Pleasure to be here. Um, we've. We've been a fan of yours as well since the time machine. So it's man, good to finally man. catch you. you you're pulling that. it
0: out of the archives, that. man. I appreciate the love and supporting me since my WAG days and the new platform beyond the album cover. So the love is reciprocated, fellas. Thank you.
2: Yeah, man, it's good, good to be here, man. Good to see you still out here doing your thing as well, man. You know, we've been we've been fans for a minute.
0: Yeah, man. It was something that I started about three and a half years ago to get my passion back out there. And it's been successful and fruitful. You know, I had to take a break from broadcasting for a minute, but realized that this is my true purpose. And I'm glad that it's been well-received amongst everybody who's been following the show page and listening to the interviews, new and old. Oh. All right, so let's go ahead and jump right into it. So first off, I want to go to you, Mario. Are you originally from South Carolina? Did you relocate? And how did you end up going to Winthrop? And Latroy, same question to you after Mario answers.
2: Uh, Well, the the brief story is born and bred in uh, Fairfax, South Carolina, in Allendale County in South Carolina, which is uh, the blackest County in the state of South Carolina, at least at the time that I was growing up. I don't know if it still is, um, but I grew up there. I went to South Carolina for my freshman year, was not going to graduate if I stayed because I found a lot of me at South Carolina and I needed some people that was going to elevate me a little bit more, I think. Uh, So coming to Winthrop was uh, was my coming out for uh, getting in uh, to radio and stuff. I started. Uh, doing radio at uh, WINR, which is Winthrop's radio station. And, uh, you know, finished school and been in broadcasting ever since, man. Like, I, I, my my first year in broadcasting, I counted as my first year uh, when I was at Winthrop, and that was 1998. So I've been doing this for a minute. All right. You, LaTroy?
1: Okay. So I'm also from South Carolina, but um, I'm from Beaufort, South Carolina. So we're, we're um, a little bit more elevated than – than Allendale Fairfax. Only I, I, because you got Hilton head though. <laughs> I, I, I coined them a third world county. So we're, we're a little bit better off than that. But um, my dad was in the Marine Corps. So we moved a little bit. We moved to North Carolina. So I was there for about 10 years and then returned back to Beaufort. And I'll say this. I didn't really have a plan as far as what I was going to do after um, graduating from high school. I was experimenting. I was interning at a local TV station my junior and senior year, but nothing was set in stone. And then um, I went on a tour, and me and my cousin uh, Roger Coakley toured Winthrop University. We were told that there was an eight to one female to male ratio. Selling point. Selling point. Yes, and I was sold, and we was like, "Yeah, we're coming here." And Mass Communications, where the focus in broadcasting was my major. Um, Shortly thereafter, I met the individual that you see in the screen, uh, Mario Washington, and the rest is history.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned your from Brewford, South Carolina, and that's kind of more down toward the coast like Hilton Head, more of the vacation touristy area. So what was it like kind of year round when you didn't really have the tourists coming into town? Was it a slow season or did it just peak during the spring and the summer months when tourists would come to town?
1: Well, I'll say because I'm from St. Helena Island and pretty much um, most of my exposure as a little kid was around friends and family. So I was really only around black people And then once, um, you know, we moved out into military housing, that's when I was exposed to um, other backgrounds. But I never really noticed um, the tourists because St. Helena Island was strictly black. But then, of course, gradually, you know, white people started buying property. And, you know, as of today, I'd say it's about 55, 45. When I was growing up, it was like 90, 10.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we know about the history of Blacks owning properties on beachfronts by the water. And then once certain folks heard about this, not, 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 we'll pay you this much for you to get out. Some took the money. Others were like, nah, I'm going to stay right here and look at the Julie Dash movies, Daughters of the Dust. So that way you can get familiarized with. The culture of the Low Country, which is considered Inland, South Carolina, Georgia, and then the Gullah culture. Shout the Ron and Natalie, days and Gullah Gullah Island. Nickelodeon was on for the culture. Having everybody learn about Gullah culture, especially around the Charles. Oh, Those are Troy's
2: cousins, right?
1: Well, I haven't confirmed it yet. We have the same. Well, Days is my original last name. I was adopted. That's the story for my book, I guess, if that ever comes out. But yeah, date Movie. Movie, okay. Well, Days is my my last name. So I think we're blood somewhere down the line. I haven't done a check, a a genealogical check to make sure, but. I'm pretty sure we're related.
0: Man, how dope that would be to find out you're re- you're related to the creators of Gullah Gullah Island. Man, I watched that show when I was a kid. Hey, I was past Nick Jr. age, but I didn't care because that show was enriching as far as teaching those that don't look like us about a culture that pretty much didn't really get seen on a nationwide scale until Gullah Gullah Island. And then, as I mentioned, Julie Dash's movie Daughters of the Dust, which Beyonce paid tribute to in... I believe it was Lemonade. All
1: right. So um, Sarah and Simeon, the kids from Gullah Gullah Island, they're doing some amazing things that's going to be coming out soon. So be on the lookout for it. I think there's some documentaries um, coming out.
0: Okay. All right. Definitely that. Now, if they could pull out polywog, I, I will just <laughs> faint and just be like, oh, you brought out Binya, But explain to us, Winthrop University, how the environment there was like, and it's not far from Charlotte and how was different from some of the other majority PWI schools in South Carolina, like University of South Carolina and Columbia or Clemson University.
2: Well, surprisingly, South Carolina is a a very black PWI. And Winthrop is also, uh, has a large percentage, at the time that we were going to Winthrop, uh, it was a large percentage of uh, a black population. It was the second blackest uh, PWI in the state of South Carolina behind the University of South Carolina. And I think at the time um, we had about 20 percent of the student population that was there, if I'm not mistaken. Something 25. like that. Yeah, it was, it was pretty high. Um, so there was I mean, if you come to Winthrop Homecoming tailgate party right now, you wouldn't think that this was a PWI like the way the way that the uh uh the the, the homecoming events are, are, are jumping off at Winthrop. but uh, our experience there um we kind of like I, I always say that when 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 Troy's class arrived winter kind of got turned up a little bit um because uh you know it was uh, uh I don't know how to say this uh elegantly but you know what I mean, the type of people that the arrived. element, the element. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, so there was a lot more fun uh, when 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 those guys got on campus. I remember. And, you know, I, I've said this publicly a lot of times. So if somebody gets mad at me about it, I don't I don't care at this point. It's been 20 years. Uh, but uh, I thought that winter was like kind of corny uh, when, when I first got there, which was perfect for me considering what I left uh, <laughs> at South Carolina. So uh, but when it, it wasn't corny no more. Uh, when, when when troy and uh and his crew got there and uh so we had like a, a different type of experience i think than what you would traditionally have at a at a, at, a, at a at a pwi um i think that you know uh the one thing that you know we had was being in the shadow of uh, a major metropolitan area we were able to uh experience uh parties and stuff like that that i don't think that you know, other college towns get the experience. Uh so that that was a lot of fun for us uh, growing up there. And, and, and in particular after we got out of school, also I remember I used to call Troy the socialite. Uh, <laughs> this boy wanted to go out uh Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, and sometimes mm-hmm. on Sunday. Yeah, I bet
0: <laughs> you were probably on the radar for yeah. some of those three letter clubs, Troy. If you know the three letter oh. clubs, you know you know.
1: Yeah, I I probably was. I mean, I was closely affiliated with people that joined those those organizations.
0: Same but here. I, I
1: mean, but it's it's almost similar to the fact that I grew up in a military town, and you know, the Marine Corps is based in Beaufort, Paris Island, and I'm the type where I've always considered myself. Um, I never liked authority. I would always march to the beat of my own drum. So. I I take pride in my individuality, and I felt like that would have been compromised somewhat.
0: Right, right. Me for me, understand that, you know what I mean? (laughs) Me for me since 19... and disclaimer: I'm not a member. I just know people that's in those three-letter organizations. So shout out to all the folks in the three-letter organizations, fraternities and sororities. They're about to turn up, turn up, and I believe another week or so because we're gonna have a female VP about to get inducted into office. She went to the mecca of HBCUs, HU, Howard University. Sorry, Hampton folks. And she's a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority, Incorporated. I had to say that because, you know, I got family members who are AKA some who are Deltas, Alpha for Alpha and got a friends, a couple of friends who are Alpha. So once again, shout out to everybody in the D9, MPHC. Now, I can understand being at a PWI myself. I went to University of North Carolina at Greensboro, which is right up the street from North Carolina A&T, but like kind of similar experience, like you were stating, Mario, you didn't really know that it was a PWI, until you saw the other groups sprinkled in. We had a good international population, but you knew Black folks at the campus when it was, A, basketball season, because we didn't have a football team. We'll still undefeated. Holler at your boy. And also when it was probate time.
2: Yeah, that's similar. Similar to our experience at Winthrop. Uh, we still like waiting on uh, uh, the time when they're, they're going to get a football team. I don't know if it's ever going to happen. But uh, but yeah, basketball was always king at uh at Winthrop. Uh, un- I don't think that people flock to the games the way they probably should have. Cause we were there, uh, like I was there for the entirety of the Greg Marshall era at at Winthrop, and and they went on a run, uh, that first year that he got there of NCAA tournaments. Um, and they still have carried on that tradition, uh, even though they. Two coaches removed from him now. But uh, but yeah, you're right, man. Like that was uh, that was uh, a big deal for us for homecoming is 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 around uh, basketball, not, um, you know, because we don't have a football team. So, you know, it's in November uh, at the beginning of basketball season. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, the big
0: deal, though. Yeah, my school's homecoming is around October. They call it Fall Fest, big soccer yeah. game. And you got the beer garden for the wine and cheese crowd. But then, of course, the Black alums, they would have their own parties. And some right. of the fraternities, sororities would have their own little reunions with all the members that would show up. And Greg Marshall, for those of you that don't know, he was the former coach of Wichita State. And at my alma mater, we had... Fran McCaffrey as our coach for about maybe two seasons before he moved on to, I believe it was Siena. And then now he's currently the coach of the Iowa Hawkeyes. So big shout out to uh, Fran McCaffrey. And tell me about the experience at the college radio station that went through. Was it a free form format? How did you have to get yourself on the station and share some of your battle scar stories uh, getting
2: on there? Uh. Well, when I got there, you know, people didn't really know that a station existed. Right. And it was only a year or two. old. Uh, a lot of people refer to me as one of the founders. I was not one of the founders of uh, W.I.N.R. Uh, but at my arrival kind of helped people know that it existed uh, because I was uh, a big mouthpiece for it uh, at the time. So. Uh, uh, shouts to uh, my man, uh, Joshua Nipover, uh because without him, my, my career don't get started. I had to audition, and I had to make an audition tape. Uh, he was the station manager at the time. And I had to audition for uh, an air shift, and I, I asked for Friday nights at 10 o'clock, because I, 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 I thought I was going to suck, right? So I figured, you know, a suitcase campus, nobody's going to be around. And the show kind of blew up, even though... <laughs> Like people wasn't around and it was like me by myself initially and stuff. And then my man Thomas, he got on uh, with me and uh, we started doing a lot more things. And then the following year, a friend of mine from um, uh, back home in Allendale, he came to went the same year that Troy came to went through and we put him on the show with us and we moved to Wednesday nights at nine o'clock and we're starting to do uh, three hour shows. Uh, but it was a format. It wasn't like uh, uh, it wasn't a set format. You know you came in and you did your show it don't matter like if you were playing folk music and then you were playing hip-hop music or you were doing sports talk uh it was it was whatever you wanted to do and uh, unfortunately that first year that i was there most of the people uh that were on the station weren't consistent and we didn't have a uh, consistent uh programming on which is why in uh 1999 i decided okay all of that's out the window, like, I'm going to make sure that I get people who actually want to be here. Um, and I was a part of the station management team. And, you know, we had uh, for all the urban uh, content. I was putting that on the air, and then they controlled everything else. So I had urban content on every day. And I had more urban content that was on that radio station than any other kind of type of content that was on uh, for, for a long period of time. And, uh, you know, typically, it came about by uh, me meeting people who had an interest in radio, and then you know we rocked from there. And and then they had their own shows. Uh, at, at some point, uh, people were getting put together that may not have meshed well together, uh, but still ended up producing good content, right? Troy? <laughs> uh,
1: I guess you could say that. So um, I'll I'll just jump in with my story. So as Mario mentioned, you know, me and my crew, we sort of came in and we you know made a grand entrance and kind of turned the campus topsy turvy but um i think it was a night i was in my dorm room and like just you know skimming through channels and then all of a sudden i'm hearing wu tang or something i was like hey, what the hell is this <laughs> on this channel because i mean coming from where i'm from and then you're you're like on a college campus where like mario said it was kind of corny before we arrived, I wasn't really expecting to hear hear that on the radio. I mean, like I said, I had never even thought, of, thought about attending college. So, I mean, I had no clue as to just the culture of what I was about to experience. But um, I also noticed, you know, him and Thomas and Brian handing out flyers. And I think that's what sort of um, grew the audience amongst, uh, you know, college listeners was the fact that they were walking around the cafeteria and around the yard, and they were, you know, having face-to-face encounters and saying, "Check us out on Wednesday," and um, if there was a, an attractive female on campus,
2: they had a shot at
1: being <laughs> the beauty of the week. So queen I was like, queen, "Queen of the queen of the week, queen ah. of the week." Jet mag, Jet magazine. Then jet to come find you and you shutting <laughs> you down. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah. But, but um I think Barkin's my home. cousin Roger what Roger went to the station and uh did I guess he was shadowing their show or something?
2: He what wrote happened? a paper. He was he, he was there to write a paper.
1: Okay, he so he wrote a paper a,
2: about about our show or something like that.
1: Yeah, so he wrote a paper about the show and you know he came back because we were roommates at the time and it was like, "Yo, you got to check them fellas out because like I, people know me. As a music connoisseur, I would make mixtapes, and then I would um, be the person that would provide the instrumentals for freestyle sessions. So they were like, "Dude, you have to do a radio show," which, of course, that's why I was at Winterberg in the first place. So um, eventually, we met, but he he neglects to tell a story, and I still have beef with him because of this. So everyone else pretty much got a show out the out the gate. He made me sit there for what a semester? Now you, for like you several no, you, months.
2: You leaving out the part though. Like this dude would show up to our show and not say a word. He just walk in, <laughs> wouldn't speak. He just walk into the radio station and sit down. And then, and then and then and he did that for a couple of weeks. You did that for a couple of weeks. So you, you so, so you were
0: like, I need money from how high?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, I mean, uh, but 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 where where we hit it off at was that I was like, all right, this dude come again tonight, man. Like I'm gonna see what's up with this dude, man. So like, then that night I invited you over to play NBA Live, and we played at like four o'clock in the morning. And then I was like, this might be a, a, a cool dude to hang with. On top of like you know the radio stuff, but you never even said that you even wanted to do a radio show. I mean, this was there.
1: <laughs> like I just said, I mean, I was kind of. I was in culture shock for the most part. <laughs> I was just, you know, getting a feel for things. Like when I was a little kid and we moved to Cherry Point, North Carolina, and I knew no one, Yeah, um, I gave my snacks to kids in the neighborhood to make friends. So I was trying to figure out. You were bribing
0: the first- them your friendship. <laughs> Nothing so says like bribing friends time. like fruit gushers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is like my first time, like, completely on my own. Yeah. Like I said, of course, Roger was with me. And there were a couple other people from my hometown that was also on campus. But, I mean, me and me and Roger couldn't be together 24-7, so I still needed to, you know, grow some wings on my own. So, yeah, I was just pretty much feeling people out. I'm an observant person. Like, my ears are like a sponge. So I'm sucking up a whole lot of information and figuring out who's who I can trust and who's going to be loyal. Just things like that. And I just... Instantly felt the connection to Mario and Get it off. Ryan and Thomas and the other fellas in the, in the crew.
0: Okay. So you mentioned earlier, Mario, that you guys were doing it the old school way, going to Kinko's or whatever, printing out flyers hand, giving it to everybody. Yeah. Now my ground was sort of similar. I got on my freshman year. It was more like a club. You applied, you got your show and mainly, but I had the great yard shift. I was doing uh two to 4 a.m on Saturday mornings. Oh, then prov- wow. Yeah, man, I used to treat that joint like I was working 12 hours at a paper mill. I would take my shower like at 7 o'clock on Fridays, eat, sleep, set my alarm for like maybe 12, 1 o'clock, walk to the station, do my show, and then come back a little bit after 4, and that lasted for me about a year before. I got bumped to 12 to 2, then 7 to 9, Friday nights, and then my goal time, 9 to 11 a.m not to 11 p.m., excuse me, on Friday nights. Now, the interesting thing was that in addition to calling every everybody's phone on campus through a centralized system, this was back when schools had landlines, left a message promoting my show, I went down mm-hmm. to a little embroidery shop that custom-made T-shirts. This was right around when uh, Mike Jones was popping, got me a white teammate with the name of my show, and then on the back, the time of the show, and then plug in the website for the school because our campus station was only 16 watts.
2: Oh, wow. So wait, so did y'all have a stream? Yeah, so we point?
0: had live streaming, So. I- I was plugging that heavy. I was like on different forms I was in, plugging the different time zones. My show would come on, and then the WAG website, which was where live stream was heard. And that kind of leads me to my question How did you guys find out about the time machine being all the way in uh, Winthrop in uh, Rock Hill, uh, South Carolina? Trump? Oh, that, w-
1: that would be my story. <laughs> Go ahead, so, um, I like to listen to New Jack Swing music. So, um, I have. I was able to discover. I think was it NewJackSwingForever.com, mm-hmm. which was a website. And um, the way I can't remember the owner's name. Andrew I'm sure Knight. You remember Yeah, Andrew Knight. Um, the way he had it broken down, as far as all of the artists that contributed to to New Jack Swing and uh, just like bios of where where are they now. Um, that was like a vital resource just for me to catch up on, you know, some of the music that either I missed or hadn't heard in a while. And then there, they had links to interviews and most of them were was yours from the time machines. So I just started going through and checking out the interviews that that um, I, I felt was noteworthy at the time. And then I was like, wow, this this young man was doing these interviews while in college yeah. consistently. So I was impressed. And then I think eventually I reached out to you and we, we connected like you was, you was mad, humble and very, you know, insightful and and I was like, wow, this is, this is what's up. Yeah. I almost looked at you like a celebrity. You kind of, kind of inspired us as far as when we started the good old boys and taking that step towards doing celebrity interviews. I think, I think he was very instrumental in that. So I, I salute you
0: man, I, publicly. I, I, I appreciate you guys, man, because actually before I started the time machine, I got a little bit of pushback from management because they were kind of indie and no commercial music. But I convinced them, like, hey, just let me do what I do and it will work. And it worked, you know, with, like you said, LaTroy landing these interviews consistently when I'm still considering myself like somebody that, hasn't really reached their peak and haven't gotten to where I wanted to be. But to say that, hey, I've interviewed Donnie Simpson. I've interviewed Danny Wood from New Kids on the Block, Maurice Starr. And knowing that I'm still in school, not with not a lot to my name. It just speaks wonders about how people say, okay, I'm going to give this guy a shot. And when they get interviewed, they're like, hey, he knows his stuff.
1: Exactly. And that was something else I noticed was just like how much of a a music junkie and historian that you are because I, you probably knew more about some of the artists or um the subjects than they knew about themselves or where they came from so that's something that should be applauded
2: now like, the thing I, that, the thing that when you told me about jay you was like yo this dude probably know more music than we do combined <laughs> and i was like what <laughs> like how is that possible <laughs> And you probably was right.
1: (laughs) I I mean, I know, I know he knows more than me, especially because some of the music that he listens to, I would never heard of before (laughs) some of the artists, even when he's posting on Facebook today. I'm just like, I've never heard of this person. (laughs) Yeah. Like I said, salute to you. Continue, continue pushing and grinding and, um, go for whatever you feel is is awaiting you don't let anyone tell you otherwise
0: yeah I, I appreciate it and um, with y'all's campus radio setup did they have a simulcast on the campus TV station where they would pipe in the radio feed
2: well we we had a uh, channel 99 uh, sound like an all access a ch- channel yeah it was on it was on television we didn't even have a transmitter. Um, initially, all we had was Channel 99 and then eventually we got a little small transmitter that you could only hear on campus and, you know, they would do stuff like I, I, I remember uh, one of the things that I begged them to do uh, that they only did once, uh, which was put uh, the audio from the radio station in the uh, student center. And uh, I remember me and Thomas and Brian did like a Valentine's Day midday type show. Um, but I, outside of that, like they, they didn't like the school didn't do enough. I felt to really push the radio station. Um, they didn't, I don't think they realized what it was that they had with what we were producing. Um, you know, and, 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 and over the years, I I feel like the station hasn't like progressed the way that it probably could have mainly because of that, like, you know, like it, it should have been like much further along than what it is now like I think that they just only it, it's only at a height when there's a certain level of radio talent at Winthrop University and you know because I mean let's face it like most people who come to school and get into broadcasting they're they not there to get into radio they're there to get into television for the most part but you know over the years there's been waves of uh radio talent that was at Winthrop a lot of them have come and been working for us uh, with CLB radio network over the years. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I do think that, uh, uh, that they, they don't have the uh, transmitter anymore, but you know, uh, another friend of mine that had worked, from, uh, worked with me at, uh, at a local radio station, he set up the uh, streaming there. So I know they still have the streaming if they still produce the radio, the way that they were, um, they had the streaming set up and, um, and I, I don't think they have a television station anymore. But but it, that was the difficult part of getting people to listen. Uh, you had to be in your room. And you had to listen on channel ninety nine on your television. That was that's why we started handing out the flyers and stuff because you know that's that the only way people was going to know about it. And we put those flyers up everywhere. And, and initially we started just posting them up. You know, around campus and stuff. That ain't that ain't did the trick though. It was talking to people and putting it in their hands. That's what that's what did the trick.
0: Right, and it was pre-social media or social media was in yeah. its
2: infancy. But you had you had Black Planet and College Club and stuff Crush Spot. Like <laughs> we're, we're aging ourselves. If
0: you remember Black yeah. Planet or Crush Spot <laughs> or getting it on in the
2: Yahoo chat ASLR. Oh, hey, nah, Yahoo chat is how I started, like in uh, in, in in internet like stuff, man. Like and some I, of y'all I, probably
0: I, got catfished on Yahoo chat before it became popular. I was catfishing people. Ooh. I would like work on material. So you was deep so pimping like, before deep pimping. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> Mario would find it's hard to believe. Like I never really had accounts to any of those. Um Never had
2: a black planet.
1: I had one, I, I wasn't really active on it. Yeah. I wasn't really active yeah. on any of them. So that I
2: was, was, a was a stock Uh I'm I'm like similar to you, man. I had the accounts. I, I was not active at all. Um, I didn't really get into social media like because I I don't think I'd like like you got me to get on Facebook, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, because uh that's where we started like you know the, the show and everything. Uh but I had a MySpace, uh mm-hmm. you know? MySpace, shout out to Tom you know, in his top eight. Yeah, you know, MySpace was cool, man. You know, it was... uh That's how I got most of my interviews through a- MySpace, TV.
0: man. MySpace really? man, was, was popping for a minute. And then, of course, Facebook, when it first came out, it was originally for college students because I was hesitant students. to get on it at first because yeah. everybody was hopping on it. And I was like, hmm, let me go ahead and get on it. And it was cool. And then when they opened up to everybody, that was when the game really changed and then Twitter came in and like I said, social media, our lives are not the same without it. So kids nowadays be like, what do you mean I have to keep 35 cents in my pocket and use a phone that's down the corner?
2: Oh, (laughs) hey, yo. Nah, 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 I don't want to date myself that much. Like, <laughs> you probably still got a beeper somewhere in you your drawing, Mario. Nah, I don't have one anymore, man. I used to have a page, you know, like you know, and uh pharmaceutical part uh, time. Just you know, uh, like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that your limitations not up. <laughs> <laughs> but nah, there was a I knew where all the payphones were in Fairfax, and I kept the quarter of 35 cents. You know, so if I needed to get to it, I had to get to it, you know, so it okay. don't have like my, you know, I asked my, my daughter is uh, 12 years old, man, and she don't have any clue about, you know, pay phones and that like that. That's like foreign to her because like she ain't never seen a house phone. Right. <laughs> that that long
0: cord you couldn't stretch it all the way too yeah, far. Man. Let let them see a rotary phone. like, how do I dial this? Yeah, yeah, Don't try yeah. to dial long distance on the rotary phone because you'll
2: be dialing forever. Even more so if you have yeah. to do an international call. <laughs> you had to get that uh that super long cord so you could like bring the phone into your room and everything. So yeah, and remember, you had to tell him. everybody
0: like, "Hey, call call me back until my minutes are free at nine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man, man, those were the good old days. But um, do you remember the studio setup at uh Winthrop? Like, did you guys use CD carts? Um, uh, did you guys use an earlier form of Audio Vault?
2: Oh no, not not no Audio Vault. We had uh we had uh eight track uh, carts, um, and then we had a CD player, and we had a tape player, uh, cassette player. Uh, but we mostly used uh, the CD player, and then we would uh. Uh, I don't know if this thing is still in existence. Uh, original Hip Hop Lyrics mm. com. We used to go to that because we played like, like underground hip hop and stuff like that, especially on a show. show. Yeah. yeah. Like <laughs> the dungeon. So,
1: yeah. So I yeah. did, I did two shows like before we, we did the good old boys. So I did the dungeon, which was an underground hip hop show with Kelly, Sunday Usher, night. Kelly Usher, AKA muddy underground, and Fatback, Ronnie Wilson, and then I did a show called The Bedroom. So that was the Quiet Storm type show that, that I that was me
2: and you together on the Bedroom.
1: Yeah, me and Mario um, teamed up for that, and then I also did it with Promise Young, who's um, still a radio personality in Charlotte to this day. So um, yeah, with original hip hop lyrics, like we would print print out the lyrics for a song. So say like back in two thousand, say like DMX playing like uh, what these itches want and we would go through the lyric sheet with a highlighter and every time there was a curse word we'd highlight it and then when we played (laughs) a song like we would just like edit it out
2: yeah (laughs) Uh, that's
1: something that I I, I created like
2: that first year because I was like man I got to figure out a way to play the music that I want to play you know what I'm saying so like and it was 10 o'clock 11 o'clock on a Friday night, nobody on campus, nobody's really listening. So I could experiment and stuff. And that's when, you know, we figured out, OK, we could kill. That's not going out over the airwaves. So that'll work. But you got to like you got to work. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You can't be sitting there like chilling with your people and stuff like that. Uh, but the uh, the cool thing, the, the best part about that studio was that it had the upstairs was where the studio was actually, you know, where we where we were located then there was a downstairs area that was supposed to be a production studio, but it was nothing in there. And uh, we had like uh, we would have we would invite uh, guests uh, to the uh, studio. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. And they would sit down there. And uh, we remember we had the uh, uh, the Valentine's party where we had like every every single girl that was on campus. If you didn't have a date for Valentine's, you go have a uh, <laughs> you know a date with all of us and we did a special program we had cookies and you know other uh snacks and and drinks and stuff like that man we had a we, i mean we i liked that setup they changed right. it after we left and put the studio where that production was and then i don't think anybody could have gotten up
1: to the upstairs part anymore so. oh man. yeah like uh mario brian and thomas they they were known as the uh, royal palace so they were they were pretty much like the stars of of like the urban Cluster of shows on WINR, and then you had um, the laboratory with Q, yes. who's one of the good old boys. And you had what was the name of Wafik's show? Ah, uh, I can't he remember. Was, he he was would always play a lot of um,
2: Egyptian 80s, lover,
1: yeah, and soap pop, <laughs> bionic, and like nucleus jam on it, stuff like that. Egypt, and then, Egypt, <laughs> and then we had um, we had. Um, the ladies. We had um, Tiana and Gayleen. Yeah. The penthouse. That I was,
2: uh, I was Tuesday, Tuesday nights? Yeah. Oh, no, Wednesday nights, a four-hour show.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. And
2: yeah.
1: then Simon. See, so the thing is, most of the people that was doing shows for, for Winthrop back in 99, 2000, 2001, they're part of GOB Radio Network now, so that's where we I sort don't... of like forged that bond, and you know, it's still, still tight to this day.
2: We had a jazz show, man, J. Dean, J. Dean mm-hmm. did a jazz show.
1: They made a rugged child.
2: Yeah. Yeah, man. We had like, we had shows on a lot, man. Like Monday nights, I think we had, it was all us the whole Monday. Mm-hmm. Man, that's so, that's great. Yeah, because yeah. our setup was when I
0: was there my freshman and sophomore year, we shared the same building with the drama students because up above would be the stage where yeah. they would do their productions. So whenever it was theater season, we would have to close our doors so that way the sounds from both areas wouldn't overlap. And then across the street was the police station and you would see the security guard coming in, checking to make sure everything was good. Our setup was three Denon CD cards, two Technique 1200 turntables, and an early oh. version of Audio Vault. And most of the music I played, I used some of the R&B and hip hop that was in the station, but majority of it was coming from my own personal collection. Yeah. So I had to time some of the selections that had the seven dirty words that you can't say over FCC Airways to make sure that we didn't get light in the wallet. So I was sitting there kind of monitoring with the start and stop switch on whatever CD cart was playing, hit it real quick, but like, okay. I know that's there. Hit it quick. I know that's there. And then once I found out about those safe harbor hours, I'm like, okay, I got a little bit more leeway, a little bit more wiggle, wiggle room. Cause nobody's listening to me at two to four o'clock in the morning.
2: Yeah,
0: So I could kind yeah. of get away with a little bit more.
2: No doubt. No doubt, man. Like uh, uh we did uh, early days. I don't know if you guys had started yet. Maybe, yeah. But I remember I used to uh, have to write record labels to try to get them to send us records. And then a lot of times they would send vinyl. And we had, we had a uh, record player in there that we rarely used. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the, one, the one that I remember getting, yeah, you definitely were around for this because this was after Pun died. Uh, but I got the uh, big Pun, is So Hard on vinyl. Mm-hmm. And then I think I ended up giving it away. Like they were, we did a contest or something and gave it away to uh, I think I think Eric Fisher, if I'm not mistaken, was the one who ended up getting it because he used to come. He's a DJ, DJ in there. Yeah, he, he would DJ and like he would we would invite him in to DJ sometimes. He would bring his equipment and plug in and then go to work or whatever, man. So those were like like taking me down memory lane, man. Like you know I had forgotten about a lot of this stuff, man. Yeah, man. Then by the time my junior year hit, we moved to the third
0: floor of the. Brown building, which is where a lot of the broadcasting classes would be held. And it had more like a TRL vibe where I could look outside the window, overlook the main strip on campus. I felt like Carson Daly wanted to invite a girl up to the studio and and just hang out. And I even found myself attempting to do some IDs that were trying to sound similar to what Rick Allen was doing with Hot 97, like from the top of the Empire State Building, I would do from the top of the Brown Building, kind of like my own little similar spin Uh, to that. So. We had a cool mixture of everything. We had folk, we had hip hop. We had In the Beat of the Night, which was underground hip hop, still going to this day. Shout out to my boy, Prez, who will be on Beyond the Album Cover coming soon. We also had uh, the Trauma Center. Shout out to my boy, Section 8, A-Town. That's two hours live mixing, scratching, cutting. And it will be like maybe once a year, we would do a collab where it will be the Time Machine Trauma Center where the shows would crossover and they would mix on my show where it'd be like straight two hour mix, kind of like on your standard R&B hip hop station where you have like your live mixes on Fridays and Saturday nights. Now, being that was so close to Charlotte, did you guys interact a lot with John C. Smith and UNC Charlotte
2: students and vice versa? Not at all, really, not at all. Like, and I, I will say uh, with the show that Q used to host, which was on Thursday nights, The Lab, that was like a, a freestyle type, uh, situation going on there, man, where he, and he, he worked at a uh, record store in, in Rock Hill and he met like every like hip hop artist in the area. I come in, they would come into there and then he would invite them, uh, to, uh, the lab and then they would, they would freestyle. And like, I mean, like every Thursday they had, they had that going on there. And, uh, you know, but, uh, Outside of that, man, like we didn't really interact much with anybody outside of like our circle, you know? Okay. Didn't do much of that. We probably should have.
1: Yeah, and I'll, I'll say like even, you know, d- during my extracurricular time, um, we never really would hang out at Johnson C. Smith. I, I know we went to a few parties at UNC Charlotte, but because me and my, my crew was always hosting parties, People was at our house and- um, Especially
2: once y'all got that house.
1: Ooh. Right, yeah. So we were always hosting parties. So it was really no time for us to leave Charlotte and leave Rock Hill ahead to Charlotte.
2: Yeah,
0: I didn't really mingle too much with folks from a I did go over to the campus of Guilford College a few times because I had a friend that had a hip hop show out there. So me and another friend of mine who is now the lead sports anchor for WRL TV5 out in the Raleigh, Durham TV market? Shout out to Chris Lee. Um, Chris, we, I know him. Yeah, yeah. So he right. actually started in yeah. radio a semester after I did, came onto my show, learned the ropes, got his own show, and progressed to now where he's the first primarily African American sports anchor in WRL history. So big shout out to my boy, Chris. Breaking Barriers. Uh, we had Jessam Stanley come out of there. She's very big on YouTube doing yoga and everything like that. She got a start on uh, WUAG. Uh, Emmy Lou Harris, I think she did a stint on WAG Country Artist, so um, I've actually found her record at the station and it had play me, I used to go here. So I would kind of occasionally give it a spin, (laughs) but I say to anybody that still wants to get in the radio, college radio is definitely a good training ground for you to get your chops up, get your reps up. So by the time you take that internship on at the big station and hopefully get on at the station, you kind of have an idea of what to do.
2: And also have some seasoning under your boat. Amen. Yeah, no, I, I I encourage everybody if they want to work in radio, you like the, the best way to start is you, because you're not going to get any on air shifts uh, without any experience. And the way to get the experience to get yourself a tape and all that stuff is to do it while you're in college uh, on the college radio station. And it's mm-hmm. the best way to do it. And I've had like so many times uh, because that's how we discovered. Some of the other talent that ended up on Gob Radio Network was listening to WINR. Um, you know, uh, uh, when we found out Jasmine, like we weren't even checking from Jasmine. We were to yeah. another show, and then yeah, I, well, well, listening.
1: Yeah, <laughs> on Sunday evenings there were, there was three straight shows. So one of them was by someone that you know I, I was friends with. So I was primarily checking her show out, but. I, I had nothing to do that Sunday evening. So I listened to three straight shows and um, eventually all three, you know, ended up doing something with GOB Radio Network. And then most notably was Jasmine, who uh, she was the youngest of the three, but you could just tell that she had it. Yeah. That's from that. Right, uh, you got to was... listen
2: to her, man. She got some talent, man. I remember that conversation.
0: <laughs> and on the sidebar really quickly, I don't know if I told y'all this, but I got family in South Carolina.
2: Oh, where, where?
0: Yeah. Um, my dad and my aunt, they are in Colombia, and my dad actually uh pastors a church out of Camden. Camden, that's what's up, man. Yeah, Camden, yeah. South Carolina. It's- he actually stays not too far from uh South Carolina's campus. And if you have not been to California Dreaming in Colombia, oh yeah, let man, me tell you course. the Crescent Rose. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, De Crescent Rose from there, Quincy's. And Texas Roadhouse. Those are my top three best roles of all time, with Ryan being the honorable mention.
2: The Big Fat Yeast roll.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think there's still a Quincy's in Florence. Shout out to uh, Florence, South Carolina. I think it's on TV Road, so free advertising for you all. Uh, Quincy's. There used to be one in
2: Hill, and, Yeah. And then it turned into, I think it turned into a Hardee's, and then it turned into... A Mexican restaurant or something else.
0: Mm, so it sounds
2: like a restaurant that didn't really last too long. And I mean, it was there for a long time. But, you know, I thought that Quincy's was gone for, from everywhere by this point. <laughs>
1: right. So, I mean, back he- in the day, that was like the definition of a, a ideal date. Like, you're impressing someone by taking them to Quincy's. What? Like, what I'm just saying, <laughs> back in the day, back like in the nah, 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 nah.
0: so so when that refund chain hit, you was taking your girl to Quincy's, LaTroy? Oh, bro. now
1: nah, you asking the wrong person that question because if you know me, if, if you know me, I'm not really <laughs> you taking it. Now...
0: <laughs> so, so, so you telling
2: her a hey, order off the dollar menu from McDonald's, then we call <laughs> it a date. Uh,
1: they're
2: like, you know, if, now you ain't as bad as 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 Wafi, though. Yeah, is gonna make you go Dutch everywhere. You know, hey, fellas,
0: <laughs> I'm letting you know this is for somebody that's uh happily married. Don't go Dutch. Don't go Dutch. <laughs> Going Dutch spells you know, doom. If if you nah, want we, to put a, if you want to put a ring on it, fellas, don't go Dutch.
1: With me, we take turns. So one <laughs> date I'll pay, and the next date she'll pay.
2: And I'm from the philosophy that it's your job to take care of it all the time. Okay, right. <laughs>
0: Now, now, fellas, I'm going to tell you this. If your funds is looking kind of funny, hope that that, re- if you're in college, here's what you do. Hope that your refund check hit. If your refund check don't hit right away, this is back when you still had to buy textbooks. You would take your textbooks to the student store, buy them back. Knowing good and well, you're not gonna get the same value what you paid for them. Hopefully get you a little change so that way you can scrounge up enough money and maybe say, Hey, um, I ain't got enough money to take you to Quincy's or stakeout, but um we can go half and half on this Chick-fil-A in the Thank Studio you. Union.
1: <laughs> nah, like uh Nah, tell, they- them, they- tell them tell them tell them my embarrassing story. was that? About going to the mall.
2: <laughs> oh
0: no! <laughs> I gotta hear this. I gotta hear this. I got. I, I gotta know. hear
2: we this. Went, we went. We, went uh, we used to go to uh, Carolina Place Mall in Pineville, which is like in between uh, Rock Hill and and Charlotte, right? And we went there one day, and and Troy had gotten a credit card, <laughs> and he had the, the credit card, and then he had a keychain that was supposed to be the credit card, also, right? Yeah. And we went to this uh, this jersey store. Like they had, like you know, this was back when throwbacks was like. This is like you know the fabulous. Yeah, the fabulous. <sighs> you know, like when, they, when the throwbacks was like the in vogue thing to do. So wanted to he wanted to cop a Walter Payton, right? And the Walter Payton was like three hundred dollars, and I was like, "Dad, this dude about to buy this buy this Walter Payton." So he he gets up to the uh, to the counter with the jersey. And they rang it up. And then he like acting like Big Willie. <laughs> Pulled the wallet out, grabbed a, grabbed a credit card, and just slide it on the table. Why do <laughs> you think you have uh, Ola? Of course it was declined. And then <laughs> so, you know, and it was declined. Then <laughs> he tried with the uh with the with the little keychain mini,
1: mini car <laughs> and that,
2: of course got declined too
0: don't <laughs> you get try to flex <laughs> i was dying <laughs> and it was a line behind us <laughs> <laughs> man the attendant then pull you to the side line. and give you that whisper like hey my man uh, yeah, it it
1: ain't that- I, Nah, we I didn't want to we, do that dog. we slid out of there you know quickly like i <laughs> i didn't look anybody in the eye we left and of so course had Mario. That, walk
0: of, that walk of shame out the store
2: Yes, sir. Ooh, good yeah, thing. Good I,
1: like, you... I could have swore that card was, you know, was good. Ooh, and, you uh, didn't did call the number that. to
0: start it, man. Good thing you didn't try that at Concord Mills. or something <laughs> It, wasn't, it wasn't even
2: a credit card, was it? I don't think so. It was a debit card. And you thought you had like eight <laughs> money
0: on <laughs> Oh, man. I- I I never, I never had that story, but man, let me tell you the story when I first got my refund check, right? So I, boom, (laughs) I come from my 10 o'clock class. I go check my mailbox. I see this check in there, open it up. I'm like, oh, this is for a nice little chunk of change. So this is pre direct deposit. So I went to the ATM on campus, deposited my check in my account. Then the next thing I did, I went to the Four Seasons Mall in Greensboro when he got me a nice little shirt or whatever then two nights later me and a group of friends went out to Chili's. i thought i was big balling right i said i want steak and shrimp and how i paid for it straight cash on me shout out to randy moss
2: yeah <laughs> with the refund check
0: <laughs> yeah man hey man refund checks man if you don't know about that college struggle you be happy when that refund check hit because when before that check hits, you eating bologna sandwiches, peanut butter and, and jelly man. sandwiches, cereal, you know,
1: that, hot that, dogs. That, you make you know,
0: a you make it's, a it's, a it's, large it's, it's, piece right. of stretch for a couple of days.
2: Right. This is why I don't like ramen noodles that much. I, I, I don't mess
0: with oodles and noodles. I never right. messed with you oodles and know. noodles in college, but it I had a bunch of friends good. that had those cup of noodles. Feels they would tear those
2: things up like, like yeah, clockwork. Man. No, and we had like luckily for us, like especially once once, once, once y'all, once once Troy and them got to campus, because i never forget, uh, Kareem could cook. Mm-hmm. And I remember you bringing plates of food over from what Kareem had cooked in the basement of Richardson in the kitchen. <laughs> and like yeah, I remember right. he made some barbecue chicken and some and some cornbread and stuff one day. Well, that
1: thing was like real good.
2: Man. My man should have yeah,
1: made right, some plates on the
0: side, sold them for like five dollars a plate. Hey, that's a nice little side hustle.
1: Yeah, my grandfather's a farmer, so I was oh, kind yeah. of living with him um, during the summer because my parents had moved to Alabama, and I left a, a coat or a jacket or something. So he shipped me a coat in a box and it included sweet potato. A box made, of sweet potato. <laughs> and we made yams and and all kinds of stuff with it. So yeah. You were hiding
0: the rest of the yams, but not at auntie's house, though.
1: No, nope. it was at granddaddy's.
0: Grand it was Daddy's at granddaddy's house. house. But oh, yeah, them yams, sweet potato pies. Hey, cut you some, cut your side there with a the calf. Like, hey, hey, dog, I got these bushels of sweet potatoes. I'm making these sweet potato pies. You give me half off of my meal plan. What you do you want to
2: do? Now, we used to steal. Um, I mean, well, we, uh, we would take.
1: He used to steal. We would, borrow, uh, borrow,
2: borrow. No, me, Thomas, and Brian we go we would we would sneak into the cafeteria and we would leave the cafeteria early enough to actually use our meal plan at the student center and and get more food uh to to take back you know for the, for that for that fourth meal that you got to eat later at night man so
0: i was never yeah. that bold to take food out of the cab. i i ate when i ate but primarily i ordered out chinese pizza by the time my first year and i looked at the balance like whoo i spent a nice little change on delivery but um cafeteria food was on point breakfast was on point and you know the most lonely time when you're in college is when you're that one person that's sitting in the calf with nobody you by yourself and you got a whole bunch of people with a crew and you sitting there all your lonesome while eating a grilled cheese or fried chicken or whatever they happen to be cooking that day Fried Chicken Day was Wednesdays
2: in my alma mater, by the way. <laughs> fried Chicken. Y'all had Fried Chicken every Wednesday?
0: Yeah, yeah. Fried Chicken Day. They would um fry the chicken up real nice. The line be extra long. You, you get that chicken. This was before I started eating yeah. hot sauce on my chicken, right? So you get the yeah. chicken. Take a bite into it. It's nice and crispy. It's tender. And everybody's like running for it. It was like the pre-Papa's chicken sandwich effect whenever yeah, Chicken yeah, yeah. Day would be in effect on oh, Wednesdays I, at the Cafe USCG. But breakfast was always most attended. The waffle machines, you could hardly get on the waffle machines because everybody oh, yeah. would be up on waffles. It would even be waffles, the pizza line, or grilled
2: cheese. I do remember when I was at Carolina and they had, uh, I think it was Thursdays, they had uh, uh, ribs. And, you know, that that place used to be jam packed man on, on that day i don't ever remember having ribs at no at uh I went through at yeah so where they fall off the
0: bone ribs or were they kind of like oh, no, the ribs hell no. <laughs> oh they got
2: oh, it in yeah. that box and you don't know what it is so it's like mystery meat yeah, yeah. it was it, i mean it went bad but it, it was it was it was okay hey when you're a broke college student you, house at, studio, you like, eat
0: whatever you know like <laughs>
1: Right. Man, man, yeah, I'm, right.
0: man, I'm paying for it. And then my declining balance yeah. looking kind of low. I can't go to the student union, <laughs> eat at Burger King or Chick-fil-A. But the game changer at my school was when your declining balance and your e-cash could roll over to the following semester. So oh, wow. when somebody said, Hey man, I'm running low on my balance. You got me. Uh, hey man, I got you going to the school store, get you what you need, even though the price is high, but hey, so still you ain't driving all the way to Walmart wait. to get some, even though your school may gather right there, but we had two Chick-fil-A's on campus. That's why I don't really eat Chick-fil-A wow. as much you no more. Plan. Cause I OD'd on it heavy.
2: So like we didn't have none of that. At Winthrop,
1: man. Yeah. Like we had
2: uh, a Pizza Hut was it. Subway. And Subway, yeah.
1: That's
2: it. Um yeah. Now when I was at Carolina, we had Chick-fil-A, Pizza Hut, Taco Bell. But once you know, again, like look on at way, look at where you at. Look at where you at. You in SEC yeah. country. You know they gonna they're gonna yeah. feed them well. It was it was dope there, but like at, at Winthrop, it was just Pizza Hut and that and, and Subway. That was it, man. Um, and then that i mean like as time progressed after we left they had the popeyes and think that was it that they added. like that was yeah yeah my school Starbucks, Starbucks yeah yeah man I'm my school UNC came God up too hell, after man.
0: i left because um they put a bojangles inside one of the student dormitories and a little diner i'm like man i thought i was doing it big when we got a school store in the apartment style dorm That I stayed in and these kids got a bojangles. Now, if you're not from the South, Bojangles is a southern thing. It's better than churches. It's better than KFC.
2: It's
0: better than Raising (laughs) Canes. It's better than Popeye's. Don't at me. I don't
2: like Bojangles, bro.
1: What? I have a friend you
0: you know that sacrilege,
1: right? Cleveland. I have a friend from Cleveland that has to get bojangles before returning. Wow,
0: Bojangles is crack. Where can you? Where else can you get a three piece and a cajun fillet biscuit all day long? It's not,
2: it's not good though. Like Popeyes is way better. I I mean, and we used to we OD'd on churches also. Uh, that was no, they were no. awful. It was like five dollars for like a ten piece.
1: And the, and the guy like, like me and <laughs> yeah, that dude
2: did like you. Where did you get your shirt? <laughs> so you got the hookup.
0: Also, also free chicken. You had to yeah. j- dress kind of like that. Hey, yo, I like that show you got on. Hey, I threw an extra box. <laughs> hey man, that, that's how you do it. But oh, no, when you're no, a college no, student no. and broke, you yeah. will treasure those no, no, restaurants no, no. that have those college discounts, show your ID, get yeah. a two-piece for like four dollars. But when I got to Greensboro, I first discovered the greatness that is cookout. Oh yeah. cookout if you don't know what cookout is cookout is a north carolina-based chain they're expanding throughout the southeast where for like five bucks you can get your choice of a burger chicken hot dog barbecue tray not one but two sides and a drink
2: and they really known for their milkshakes
0: hey have some thick lungs because them jokers are thick and it's definitely yeah. a good meal let's say if you're coming from a night at an after hour spot partying smelling like a little substance which I don't yeah. partake in I know of people who partake in that <laughs> substance but it's definitely a good late night meal to kind of get you through until breakfast hits that
2: a you know, Waffle House first time I ever went to a cookout was uh, the one on Freedom Drive in Charlotte we went there after we went to Onyx long 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 time ago you remember that yeah, and then I think like a week later, somebody got
0: clapped out there. Yeah, uh, that sounds like the name of a club ex- where <laughs> people would say, Let me go to my car. It is not to get the license and registration. <laughs> you know, when they say, Let me go to my car, you know it's about to go down. Hey, That's why always, I never went like, to nightclubs, always sat by
2: the exit if I did. Uh, bro, we, 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 we would go places like 10, 15 deep, except for when I was just it was just me and the socialite and, and uh you and I uh, <laughs> we would go to like places like uh, the V lounge and I'd would, be in there basically by myself because you would I just mean, be bouncing around.
1: I mean I would find I somebody to go with me. I never had to go by myself yeah, but I didn't I hated it going I mean because they, it would be college night at different establishments every night of the week. so I was like, okay, it's free before 11 o'clock so we got to get there by like 10 15 in <laughs> case they're like um, delaying the line and holding people from going in. We got to get there so we can get it for free. And And girls
2: know that you was broke anyway if you came before 11. I
1: mean, I was, what, 24, 25 years old. Man, let me set
0: the scene real quick for those that may not be familiar how club nights work. Now, some areas, (laughs) depending on where you're at, college night can normally fall between, i would say, Thursday through Sunday, depending on where you're at. Now, Sometimes it was Tuesday. Well, and, and Greensboro, most of the college nights primarily fell between Thursday and Sunday. So yeah, right. one nightclub will have a college night, but it'll be primarily where us would go, and then another club would have a college night where they would go. They would have polos, khakis, likely about to go yachting or somewhere. While at the nightclub, we would partake in. It would be more of where, you know, the element and I say this loosely, the element was going to be deep. And you knew that when certain folks from the element show up, you knew that um, not firecrackers would pop off. It would be the arm and hammer would (laughs) pop off.
1: Yeah, I would go to clubs like back home in Beaufort where it was like a team night on on Sunday nights. And that's where I would experience um, the most shootouts was at Picasso's. You know, so... Picasso. Nah, studio, what's,
2: uh, what's studio that place you're at? Studio yeah. 7, yeah. Don't go there. Especially nah, if you ain't from Buford.
1: They're
2: closed. Uh, it's closed down there? Yeah.
0: Man, Picasso's, <laughs> it don't sound like a club where violence would happen. To me, it kind of sounds like a <laughs> club where it's all family-friendly, kind of like chicken hey, cheese.
1: No. Nah. Nah, nah, you you going been, to to the Lowcountry. In South been- Carolina. This was the era when, like... Like
0: I said, I'm not a nightclub six. guy. I'm, like, when you see the scene in Atlanta when Donald Glover was in a jail and when the guy was telling him, stop being weird, I'm Donald Glover.
1: <laughs> this was back when, like, 3-6 Mafia's tear the club up.
2: Yes.
0: Big. So, ATL, crunk era, all, any type yeah. of ATL, crunk era, 3-6, you know, a fight was going to start oh, if that, any that the club of those joints were played. Somebody throw throwing, a chair in the center.
1: Yeah, they were throwing chairs in the club yeah. and it hit the DJ. We'll and, the music stopped and then and then and the DJ was
0: like, hey, this is why we <laughs> as a people can't have anything. That's why we need yeah. to go in places and act properly. Shout out to Jay-Z and 22-Tools for that. I say that there all the time, one time. Whenever I see some yeah. of us at the internet, acting a fool.
1: <laughs> there was one time I didn't care. So we me and my boy Kades, we were we rode together, so I instead of parking in Picasso's parking lot, there was a gas station next to it. So I parked in the at the gas station.
0: I wouldn't trust parking my car <laughs> and, in the um, gas station parking lot. Your car probably get jacked.
1: So I had somebody, I had a female, and we were in the front seat, and Jay Z's "Jigga What Jigga Who" was playing, <laughs> and and I, Akatus was standing in the trunk, and you know I was doing my thing, and then we hear gunshots and. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we just told her to jump in the back seat, and we got out of there. Caden okay, jumped in, and we bounced. But yeah, that was a weekly occurrence, like gunshots after the after the um, club shut down. And
2: that's why I uh, stayed home and in my dorm. Oh no, I, we used to go to the Spaceship Lounge in Georgia, in uh, uh, Sylvania, Georgia, and uh, we would park like coming back towards Allendale because them dudes used to like, they used to be tripping when they see somebody that they see no side kind of tags. And, and, um, my cousin had got stabbed in the leg in there one night. <laughs> like, that, like It was, it was that, like, that serious where they didn't, they didn't mess with SC cats like that. Oh, they didn't want you down there, man. It was territorial, man. You know, like just how it was, man. It was like that. And even in my, even in my County where like Allendale people didn't like Fairfax people and, you know, Fairfax people didn't want out people coming to their spots. Like, it was just stupid stuff, man. But that's how it was in the 90s. So. <laughs> yeah, these kids nowadays won't
0: understand the adventures of going to a club that looks kind of suspect. Maybe, you know, the bouncer at the door and right. trying right, to right. talk to a young lady and the music's oh, all hey, loud. Yeah. And then oh. you had to find something to
2: write her number down on. One of my homies was uh was one of the bouncers. So just, just know that it was stuff inside of uh of clubs several times. <laughs> 18 to dip, 21 to sip. That's the tagline. If you if you know, you
0: know. 18 to dip, 21 to sip, man. Those were the days. So how did good old boys come about and tell us about the programming that we could find on GOB? So the good old
1: boys radio show, um that was First, we'll show you the original logo. <laughs> but um, so 2004, so Mario had already graduated. Hopefully, he'll share his story of like how he uh, rose through the ranks of uh, radio because I think that's an inspiring story within itself. But um, I was I was listening to one of my mix CDs this one in particular had nothing but TV theme songs and commercials on it. And um, for whatever reason, the Dukes of Hazzard theme song just l- sparked an idea. You know that light bulb moment? I get that on occasion, and I had a light bulb moment when I heard Dukes of Hazzard, and I was like the good old boys. So then I think the, um, the idea was to do like Kind of make it like an in living color type of a show for radio, where we're doing sketch and and whatnot. And um, it was myself and Mario and our friend Kimberly Shaw, who's an amazing poet. So um, if you get a shout chance- out
2: to uh, Martin Martin Smith because we took over his time slot because he had two shows that he was doing at WINR. So go ahead, continue. Yeah,
1: yeah so um, we, <laughs> me, Mario, and Kimberly. We got together. Um, I don't think I I had ever done radio with Kimberly before, but um, she would always make guest appearances on the Royal Palace um, and dropping some of her pieces. And um, we just started brainstorming. Um, I worked in the library um, in college, which I still do to this day. And I was just going through like the juvenile collection, the kids books and that's how I was generating ideas for the show was while I was perusing the library and I I would come up with skits like a reading rainbow skit that we did I remember us doing something on George George Bush uh George W Bush and Saddam Hussein I think Mario was Saddam or something and he said something I'm I'm sure he We can't we can't repeat it, 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 it
0: sounds very politically <laughs> incorrect. Something you yeah, can't say very, now very, very
1: but I enjoyed that show because it, it was different. It was yeah. it was allowing us to improvise and think on our feet because all we had primarily was you know, we're gonna do a reading rainbow skit. Troy, you're gonna be LeVar Burton. Mario and Kim, you're gonna be the kids, yeah. you know, introducing a book. And we were just freestyle. So I love that. I, I was like yeah. yeah. So um we did that my final semester and then you know it basically you know faded away. Um in 2009, um me and Wafik, we were we're both here in a triangle. I was in Chapel Hill and Wafik's in Raleigh, and we we both had an itch to do radio again in Duke was allowing um, people that was unaffiliated with the university to come in and and do radio shows. So um, we started showing up, going through the training. And I want to say what, December of 2008, I want to say. Um, me, and, me and Mario had a um, conversation with my former roommate and friend, Octavius Burris. And he, he was starting a website with, um, promoting like old school music. And he wanted us to, you know, he wanted to see if we could contribute and um, do a radio show that could promote his website. Me and Mario discussed it. We already had ideas and we just came with our ideas, you know, brought the good old boys back. But instead of Kimberly, we were, Mario was like, um, let's, let's use Wafiq and Q and the rest is history as far as the four of us we've been going 12 13 years strong now.
0: Okay, Mario, you have anything you want to add to Latroy's story?
2: Yeah, that's that's about it, man. We uh we we struggled to find uh time to record, where to record, uh uh you know, I guess the the statute of limitations is up now, so like yeah, we used to use uh uh, the radio station that I was working at, we used to use uh, That's studio. We used it like once or twice. And then we started using uh, I went out and bought equipment um, and started recording like at my place. Um, but then, you know, because of my work schedule being so crazy, uh, Troy and Wafiq used to have to drive down here. And like that was like once a month at that time, maybe. And we would record like four or five shows at a time. Um, it was a lot of it was a lot of work, uh, and we were on um streetfameradio.com. I don't know if that's still around. Yes, uh, no. yes, but uh, shouts to uh, my man, uh, what's his name, Kevin? Uh, Kevin
1: Hickman uh, or something?
2: Yeah, Kevin Hickman. We uh, we like the, the website used to crash, man. Like after because like we built our fan base on Facebook because it was all the people that used to check us out when we were at Winthrop. So all of our friends from Winthrop. And and the website used to crash. but um, then we moved on to uh podomatic. Um, I think, and um, you know, build a fan base there. And then we like uh broke we we, we took a couple of breaks and stuff here and there and stuff, and um and now we're on a big cloud and on our website, GOBRadioNetwork.com. Got all the other shows popping as well. Uh we got more stuff uh that, that we're getting ready to do as well. Um you know, this ain't it uh you know we uh there's a lot of stuff in the uh uh in the uh in the in the chamber in the oven yeah that's mm-hmm. uh that's that's gonna launch real soon the dog the clip, better. the whole clip
0: hasn't been empty yet nah oh we got, no,
1: never that we got, we got so okay better. i'm reloading it's unlimited yeah it's unlimited
2: yeah you know, but uh but me and this guy man like we uh you know yeah i'm, I'm rocking you know <laughs> uh but uh me and this guy, man, we 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 just like we push each other creatively. And you know, he I mean like he sent a show today. Yeah, <laughs> I don't um, I think we had a conversation no, about it. I don't know. No, don't, we never okay. we never
1: had a conversation because I yeah. thought of this. See, we did the show that aired last week. I made a comment, and a lot of times I create yeah, yeah. off of yeah. okay what I what That's we right. say on previous shows. So yeah. I'll just go ahead and, you know, get the spoiler. I made a comment about Lifetime movies and how much I hate them. Yeah. When I have company over for the weekend. So then I just. I'm trying to them. watch the game. Yeah. So today I was like, you know what? I'm going to create a show, an episode that's called a Lifetime movie.
2: Yeah.
1: And it's going to be put together as if um, it's a Lifetime movie. And then we're going to discuss what usually happens in a Lifetime movie. Right. You know, because they all seem to have the same plot.
2: And, um, and now he tells you that. And then that show might not end up getting recorded until sometime next year. <laughs> we, we got, I mean, honestly, we got probably 50, 60 shows that's that's on deck that we haven't even recorded yet. I mean, like, you know, like, he creates, I think you probably create like, what, 75, 80% of the shows. Yeah. And then I'll come with a one or two here and there and stuff. Um, so, like, of the shows that we haven't recorded yet, Man, like it's, 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 we have to, we have to, uh, uh, modernize them sometimes. You know what I mean? Because, like, uh, we will we'll have something like, we, like, one of the shows that we recently recorded was like shoot, five like years old. Five years old, man. And, and it ended up being like one of the best shows that I think that we've done. I'm, I'm talking about the, uh, uh, women who have kids.
1: Yeah. House I mean, arrest. Yeah, house house arrest, arrest. That one.
2: Yeah. Like, that, that show was super old.
1: Yeah. And, uh, that was, That was while I was happy in a situation, and then you know now that one is that situation is completely behind me. And then we record that show, and people might think that it was about her, but it wasn't. It's not at all. Yeah, it was inspired
2: by somebody totally different.
1: But um, (laughs) I I like to call us I like to compare us to um LaFace, La Reed, and Babyface. Mario is La Reed, and I'm Babyface. (laughs) You know, that's a
2: good comparison.
1: Because he's he's like he's the business mind and he keeps everything in order. He he's good with the other talent, whereas I like to just, you know, be a mad scientist and create, be alone, you know, and like like I said, he'll handle everyone and I'll focus on making sure we have consistent content.
2: Mm -hmm. We work great together, like if like if 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 we launch a new program, you know, like his ear is like crazy to me and like a lot of times, like I'll be thinking about something, but then like, I'll just say, you will listen to this, check this out or whatever. And then, you know, typically like we'll be on the same page about how something sounds or whether or not. Mm-hmm.
0: So uh, tell me about how now we're in a crucial space with radio right. and the <laughs> I'll internet. Say-
1: Mario doesn't really argue. I'm the one that's that's the asshole. And he, <laughs> he takes it. <laughs> so yeah. That would be a surprise. I think most people would look at it as the other way around where Mario would be the one that would be fussing and complaining and I'd just be like, man. And that's
0: that's crazy. It's-
2: we mesh well together. And then, you know, our whole group, man, like it's like it's like Voltron, man. Like, you know what I mean? Like we uh we get together, man. Like, which is rare that we all even are able to get together. Um, you know, especially during COVID times. Uh, and that's one of the things that really hurt us, uh, because we we had a big meeting uh with, with the whole network uh right before COVID hit. And a lot of the stuff that we planned on doing in 2020. Uh, didn't happen. Doesn't look like it's going to be able to happen in 2021. So here we come 2022. <laughs> right. Tabling it for 2022. Now I want to get both you guys take
0: on this. Anyone can answer or both. You can, it feels like we're in a space now with the internet that radio is almost like going by way of the eight track VHS and Betamax where podcasting and streaming it makes it so to where I can plug in anything I want at any time. I don't have to sit and listen for a song anymore. How does radio adapt? to the current state that we're in in an instant available world and also the fact of owning your own media brand, media content as we're seeing with Jamel Hill over at uh, Vice with Kerry Champion, Michael Hill on Peacock and 85 South with Chico Bean, Carlos Miller and uh, DCM Fly.
1: I'll just answer quickly since he's he's in the industry, you know, directly making decisions but I feel like radio has put themselves in this position because they were always trying to appease um, the music industry. And then, you know, I think the product suffered because it's difficult to listen to the radio for more than 30 minutes. I, i listen to The Breakfast Club. I mean, because I love the personalities on the show, but the music is horrible. I mean rest in peace um but there's only so many times I can hear uh, this individual song I'm not gonna say his name but I know I'm sure you all, sure you all know who I'm talking about or um who else uh, Roddy Rich they've still been playing Roddy rich's song and they debuted it like December or November of 2019 and they're still playing the box and and the, um, the song with DJ mustard they're still playing it daily, multiple times. It's like, you can't tell me there's five or 10 more songs that came out within the last two months that you could put in rotation. Like, Hers Damage, or you could play something off of Jasmine Sullivan's Hotels, or you can play, um, you know, Scissors' new songs. I mean, there's, there's plenty of other music besides hearing the same five, six songs all day. So I just say that and I'll let Mario take it from
2: there. Uh, I wanna piggyback on what you were saying about like the music that you hear. Uh, You know, this is because I think uh, when you have a situation where you have only a handful of companies owning all of the radio stations that you hear music from, those playlists are being dictated in a way. And, you know, what's an A track? What's a B track? What's a C track? Why some of this stuff is still an A track after two years in rotation? I don't understand. Uh, but I don't do music radio. So I know with 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 the proliferation of podcasting and how it has changed uh, broadcast radio is that from my perspective, it's a way to to, to find uh, new talent. Um, I don't think that what we used to see with radio in terms of... I, I saw an interview with Ed Lover a couple of days ago, and he was talking about how he was making $850,000 a year at one point. That's never going to happen again uh, for typical radio talent. I'm, I'm pretty sure that you know, the Breakfast Club combined might be making that. Not, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's no way they're making that kind of money uh, because you're just not going to invest that kind of money into one personality anymore. Uh, I think radio has gotten to a point where it's not even personality driven when you're talking about music radio uh, because for the most part, uh, voice tracking is happening all across the country where you have, like, so like, if you're iHeart Media and iHeart has one voice talent that's on in Miami, well, he may voice track uh, Philly, Vegas, Jacksonville, Detroit, Denver, you know, like all of that, all at the same time, and 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 I think that that's one of the things that is hurting radio because radio is the last to me is the last local, truly local medium where you can reach out and touch uh, those those uh, those on air talents. I don't have that issue as much with talk radio. And sports talk radio because it's, it's, it's not as is is driven by the actual games as opposed to when you look at music radio, it's driven by uh, the artists, the music is what drives it. So it doesn't matter who the on air personality is. You know what I mean? So it's it's a little bit different. Uh, I don't know if it's ever gonna be what we all listened to when we got into radio because, you know, what what inspired me to get into radio was when I was eight years old, I heard DJ Hollywood and Allendale, rest in peace to him. Uh, But every every night, you know, he was on the big dog WDOG in Allendale, South Carolina. And I listened to that and that's what piqued my interest about radio. And I don't think that person exists anymore because, you know, you have the proliferation of everybody thinking that they can do this now. And as long as you got a Wi-Fi connection and some equipment, you could instantly put on a podcast without no training. Right. It is different for like, you know, people who actually put in the effort and the work to learn how to do this. And you can hear it. Mm -hmm. But but unfortunately, some of the most popular podcasts are people who don't know how to do radio. And well, I'm not- I
1: know how to do podcasts. We're not right.
0: sounding just, like old men yelling at crowd. No, no. We're was, just saying, it's just a different generation yeah. where it's at your disposal while the three of us, we
2: literally had to work at it and get your reps up right. on college radio. You know, and I will say that, you know, one of the biggest, one of the biggest issues is, is that people don't know how to be on their talents anymore because, uh, you know, there, there's no space, there's no entryway for radio. Like when I started in this business, I was putting up tents before I ever got into a studio, you know what I mean. And then once I got in the studio, I had to I had to learn how to run the board, you know, all that type of stuff before before I was able to open up a mic. I learned how to be a broadcaster before I learned uh, before I learned how to be an on air talent.
0: Mm-hmm. You, you know probably what I mean? learned you know, how I
2: to write copy as well. All of that. I was doing all of that. I was writing copy for uh, news. I was writing commercial copy. Everything. You know what I'm saying? So like you know, I don't think that, you know, we have to immerse ourselves into that anymore because of what we have with uh, podcasting. And, 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 and don't get me wrong. I think that podcasting is a a great invention. I think that is, is necessary, but it's the same thing that blogging did to the newspaper industry where it muddied the water of what was good and what isn't or what is uh, something that you should be reading and listening to and what you should, you know, and, that's that's the big difference, but I do think that it is important. Ownership is is super important because uh, you will never be in a position where you're going to be able to have to have somebody tell you what you can and can't say if you own it yourself. And you know, for for what we've been what we've been able to do with uh, gob uh, is that we've always been able to do what it is that we want to do content wise. Some of the stuff that we've produced, no way in the world and an iheart media is going to let us put that out you know but like even with the music that we play like we we go deep in the crates on on uh some some of the music that we end up playing i, I mean like the show that we put out this week like i listened to this music and stuff and it's an older show uh from 2016 uh that that we did uh but like i'm like man this stuff won't get played on a radio station today man like you know even if it's even though it's a specialty show they wouldn't let us play this stuff if we were working for a specific company, like you Mm -hmm. ain't hearing like any of these like large, like uh, syndicated programs playing stuff like this. I mean, like breakfast club is never going to do stuff like that. You know what I mean? And I think that that's one of the things that, that, that made me fearful of giving somebody else that wasn't us the keys to what it is that we do. Right. Uh, Because I don't ever want us to be in a situation where, that vision that Troy creates on most of these shows or that I create on most of these shows, that cinematic experience that we're trying to give, I don't want that touched. And if that means that we're gonna make less money uh, than we are ever gonna be able to make, then so be it. Because I think that what it is that we produce is more important to us than how much money are we ever gonna make off of it.
0: Right, it kind of puts me in the mind of you can either choose to be a McDonald's or a mom and pop restaurant. If you're a McDonald's, you're out everywhere. Everybody knows you. You can get it anywhere all over the world. But when you're a mom and pop, you can only get it at this spot. We only have it. It's not available anywhere else. And when you have it at the mom and pop, you're more appreciative because, you know, it's not like McDonald's where it's mass produced. And I say this, try to get somebody who have not touched a radio station board or mic tell them to do a front sale or a back sale and try to hit the post. <laughs> That's the best feeling in the world. It knowing does. you're doing a front sale or back sale tease right, right. and you're hitting the post and try yeah. to memorize it because some of the, the newer automation software, it tells you when your intro
2: but, or yeah. outros oh, are dude, when you walk into the code. But back in the day, you had to memorize intros, outros, right? Now I remember, uh, you know like whenever we were trying to do voice tracking and stuff like that we didn't even have the capability of doing it so you had to time out your entire hour and you know and everything that you place in there and you know once we got voice track software and stuff like that and it's going to like time it out for you and it's going to tell you how much time you got on the intro and it's going to tell you like you know all of that stuff just blew my mind when it when it came about which is it's great to have that but i knew when I first started seeing software like that, that it was going to kill our industry because it was going to kill young talent and smaller uh, uh, communities because people weren't going to pay money for it for talent anymore. And, 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 and I mean, like you can't go to like market number 58 and train, you know what I mean? <laughs> like it's, it's just not going to happen like that anymore, man, like it, because somebody in market number four. Is going to be voice tracking your market
0: now. Yeah, because normally that. the overnight spot was where young talent would yes. get tested out at, and you'll learn right. the basis. And I also want to give shout out to Charlemagne, the guy who is a South Carolina native, and he got the Black Effect Network going on, and he got different right. podcasting on there. But I only primarily listen to Breakfast Club for the interviews.
2: Right. Oh, that's what I listen to it for. Thank you, Duncan. I listened to, listen to Dunkie the other day. And I listen to uh, uh, Rumor Report with Angela Yee, um, but I, I say I listen to it, I watch them on
1: YouTube. Like yeah. mm-hmm. I, I
2: never, I don't think I've ever heard the show live.
1: Well, I'm a morning person, so yeah. you know that's when I'm up. <laughs> I'm up at like four thirty, five o'clock. The and morning. then
2: you have to deal with the twelve minute commercial breaks that they have too. No, nah, I just listen.
1: <laughs> See, you, I you, have
2: so so you tune out with the stop set, buster so that it won't count in the PPE, portable
0: people nah. meter for those of you that don't know. <laughs>
1: Right. Yeah. So when I'm at work, per se, I'll I'll have um, the breakfast club on my phone, but I'll have like Sirius XM playing on the computer. So oh. then I'll just take my headphones off noise. and yeah, focus oh. on Sirius XM.
0: I thought you would have the listen at work station, your standard soft AC station, followed by Delilah at night.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't make it through the work day then. <laughs> no,
2: <laughs> but you know, you, you spoke of something like, uh, you know, because even in even in sports talk and, and 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 news talk, you know, I remember Colin Cowherd used to be on middle of the night, and now like he's one of the most talented sports talents on air. He wasn't that when he first started. You know, I am saying on on national programming, and I think that that is that is what's missing in our industry more than anything. Like, you know, people see the end result of Charlemagne going through getting fired a million times and, you know, uh, working on bits that didn't work and, and all this type of stuff. And now, like, he's on number one radio show in America and uh, urban radio. And, you know, you don't see that grind that he had to do when he was on uh, Hot 103 in Columbia and, you know, when he was on in Charleston and all that stuff, man. Like, it's it's like that part of the game is missing so much now, man. And, and I don't think that people are interested in doing that part. They just want the yes, end the, result. You end gotta crawl before you walk. And shout out to the two live stools out of um, our Corner, yeah. South, South
0: Carolina. You know, That's I right. listen to the two live stools on some of the other podcasts I mess with. I mess with Gangsters Chronicles. I mess with yeah. all, all the, the smoke, crazy. Matt Barnes, Steven Jackson and Knuckleheads yeah. with Darius Mouse. Yeah. Quinn Richardson, and then, of course, Jamel's podcast, Jamel Hill's on Bobbert, Bomani's podcast, Bomani Jones. So yeah. it's definitely great content out there. And the good thing about now is that you can pick and
2: choose who you want to listen to, where you want to listen to, and right. how you want to listen to it. Yeah. And I consume a lot of audio. Like, before we got started, I was, I was listening to a, a podcast uh, before we even got started. And, not, and then I can pick it back up. It's not like it's, it's live. That's the beauty of it. I think that a lot of radio stations have missed the missed the boat on creating exclusive content for podcasting. A lot of radio stations use podcasting to repurpose content that's, that's already been heard, you know, but, you know, it should be uh, some exclusive uh, content out there as well, man. And um, yeah, I agree with that but because
1: you think, go ahead, you think that a lot of, a lot of the, the radio personalities that have, um, you know, spent years trying to uh, get on air that they're not prepared to even do podcasts, because that's the way it sort of seems to me.
2: In in some ways, I think I think that, you know, uh, a, a lot of uh, radio talents, in particular, if you're doing urban radio, you're talking in, in spurts, you know what I mean? Like you don't get to go uh, do 10, 15 minutes at a time, or whatever. Uh, you, you're talking in 20, 30-second spurts, if that. And I think that because of that, it, it makes it very, very difficult for those people uh, to, to branch out into doing podcasting. I know quite a few who, who have attempted it, and it's, it's very difficult for them because they don't have uh, the, uh, the training to be able to talk in, in a 12-minute in segment which is essentially what you're doing with I mean podcasting is is designed for people who come from talk radio you know it's just the nature of how it is man like and it's it's real hard if you if you if you're used to having music you know, to go to. You can't do that in podcasting.
0: Mm, no, nope. yeah. You can't hide behind music and you're saying how radio needs to develop exclusive content only for their podcast listeners. It reminded me of uh, Jaylen Jacoby, how they'll take the audio feed yes. from the TV, but also sprinkle in some podcast exclusives in there to tag right. along with the TV feed and then on Tuesdays and Thursdays they will do like an hour podcast exclusives yes. like what they would do when they were doing it on Grantland
2: right 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 that's that's the way to um but uh, but I but I thought it was cool uh with, with the way that they were doing it. I know that I knew that it wasn't gonna last long because Jalen is too big of a TV star for ESPN to let him do, you know, that much radio. Um but uh you know I just think that it, it takes a while for people to 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 learn that this ain't easy to do. You know, like I mean, you know how many, how many, how many shows have we seen come and go since since we started podcasting? We were podcasting before it was cool. Podcast. You know, I, I like to tell people that, man. But we've seen like a million shows come and go, man.
1: Well, I mean, a lot of them they think it's easy for one. And, you know, because it's a new show and maybe they're like very outspoken and they're comedians or whatever on social media. They think that they're gonna make, you know, turn out to be a great podcast hosts. And they just they're just looking for instant gratification. You know, see, trying to see if this is the new hustle.
2: Think you gonna get money, right?
1: But yeah. after a month or two, then you know you you don't see or hear from them again.
0: Yeah, you end up like Will Smith in that Fresh Prince episode where he had DL Hughley guest on, where he just went to the audition <laughs> to accompany him. The casting yeah, agent yeah. ended up putting him in the comedy showcase. He bombed, and DL yeah. saved his behind. So it kind of right. has that same effect.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think. You know, speaking on you know doing stand-up comedy, man. That's I think that's the hardest thing to do in entertainment, though.
0: Yeah, I, I'm not a stand-up comedian. I will not get up in front, get bombed, and treated like I was waiting for Sandman to score me off the stage at Apollo, which I did do Apollo uh, when I was 15. That's another story what? for another day. That's another oh, no, story. For, that. That, that's another story for another day, man. I'll just Come tell on. you this: when I auditioned for the Apollo, it was cattle call. Um, we took a bus from North Carolina to New York. It was eight hours. So by the time we got there, doors open at eight, Line started at seven. So I was like one of the first few in line, went in, signed some paperwork. It was like American Idol style, three judges, audition, they like you, we want you to come back and do the non-televised version of Amateur Night. Now, I didn't know this until the audition that they have the Amateur Night for the syndicated show then the regular amateur night which is every wednesday night and that was where they would have people from the cattle call auditions come and perform so i had to come back a couple of months later ended up um this is when i used to la la not no more but i i did call top sure. as i wish and let's just say i made it to the second verse before the sirens hit
2: hey so you got booed
0: I didn't stack the deck. Now, if now, little tip if you do go to Apollo, you got to stack the deck because you're going to have some people there that's going to be solely there just to boo. Look at what happened to Lauren Hill. And I also will tell you this. Camera angles make the Apollo bigger than what it seems. It's yeah. very small. Camera angles can make everything seem huge. Cause I knew some dancers. They used to dance on Soul Train, and they told me that the studio where they danced that was like the size of a closet.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. Yeah, so yeah. I, I, I never knew that you
0: sang. Uh, not not no more. Not no more. <laughs> that that was that was my um. How so that made you house. quit. How, how, how should I say this kindly? Um, do you remember there was this major league pitcher, I think by the name of Rick Ankele. I think it was a yeah. pitcher of the Cardinals. And he, he, he had the yips. <laughs> so I, I got the yips. When, when, it, when oh, it came to that, uh, I was like, man, maybe I should have wore like a cardigan sweater or maybe I should have um, sang a different record. But it was a good experience to say, like, hey, I stood on the same stage that a lot of these greats stood on, got to walk student. and everything like that. And it, I knew Sandman was coming out, right? So as soon as I heard the siren, I did this. And if, for those of you that listen on the audio version, I'm clapping my hands. Hey, I got to clap myself off that stage, man. So, oh, yeah, yeah man. man. So so that was my first and only experience doing that in public. So that's why I am doing this. And I appreciate you guys so hardly coming on to Beyond the Album Cover for this interview. So do you guys have any shout-outs you want to give before we close and also plug social?
1: Well, first off, do you have video of that?
0: Yeah. Thank God there was no video.
1: How are you gonna just write? <laughs>
0: Thank God there was no video for that. There is there's no evidence of that performance whatsoever, <laughs> only in my memory. And that's all that I needed to be. That's
2: not fair, man. Hey, life you isn't know.
0: fair. Get used to
2: it. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, for shouts, man I want to I w I wanna I wanna I wanna say, you know, shouts to Hugh Kittle's Grand Wiz. Of the uh, Good Old Boys Radio Show, of course, uh, L.J. and Doc of Throw Up Tackle, Larry P. and Doc with uh, the unemployment line, and then also uh, gotta, we got we got to give a shout out, uh, obviously, to Black Trump doing wonderful things with uh, Stop Looking, Listen. Uh, you know, that's every Friday then uh, we got uh, uh, Jasmine Love, she'll be back real soon. We got uh, uh, Nashandra, she'll be back real soon as well. Uh, and then we got some other programs coming. I can't even tell you who these people are yet uh, because, you know, one of them is out there, Big Al is out there, like publicly. Uh, but uh, we got something else that we're working on uh, with uh, with uh, some people. But uh, check out everything that we got going on, gobradionetwork.com. All the socials is G-O B Radio Network. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, We live it on Instagram. Uh, (laughs) I need to give that password to somebody else so they can do because I don't do Instagram. I don't do social media, man. (laughs) So you know, most of the stuff you see on social media is uh doc on our Facebook. And uh anything else is is like stuff that I've I've put in, but I don't do social media, so I need to give that stuff to you.
1: Uh, LaTroy, any uh, shout outs? You no, know, I'm not all that active. So since you covered, you know, the GOB um, hemisphere, I'll just go beyond that. First off, thank you, Jarrell, for having us. Like I said, um, you've been an inspiration to us, um, like steel sharpens steel. So yeah. uh, we're we're watching what you're doing with Beyond Album Cover, and hopefully we're Continuing to carry the mantle with stop looking, listen. Um, thank you to every listener that has ever checked out any of our content, ever shared it, ever commented, um, ever told a sent, friend. Told a friend. We appreciate you. Thank you to every guest that we've ever had. I mean, trust me. I mean, for you to take time out of your busy schedule to come on our programs, we appreciate it. Thank you to every station that has ever carried our show um, around the world. Uh, You didn't have to take a chance on us, but we appreciate you. Um, Thank you to our families, the sacrifices that uh, you all have made while we were traveling or, you know, staying up late editing shows or creating shows. Recording
2: shows at four o'clock in the morning.
1: Recording shows. We thank you. um, And just thank you to everyone that has um, helped harness our talent. Like, whether that's for me, Juan Singleton from WJWJ, our professors, Haney Howell, rest in peace, Robert Powell, rest in peace, um, Professor Fisher, Dr. uh, Dr. Click, Dr. Sorrow, Dr. Sorrow. Like, just, just everyone that, you know, shaped and molded us. Thank you.
0: All right, and you can catch this interview available on all streaming platforms and on my YouTube channel of the same name. It's all beyond the album cover. Be sure to follow the Facebook group, Facebook.com slash Beyond the Album Cover for show updates. And once again, available on all streaming platforms, Apple, Anchor, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, iHeart, Podbean, anywhere you get your podcast, then YouTube beyond the album cover. Ladies and gentlemen, my good friends, my brothers from another mother, LaTroy and Mario, good old boys. Thank you guys for coming on. Right.